Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. We also again are excited to be releasing our Grizz Greats a coaching tree podcast which is coming out the first episode with Jim Brandenburg Wednesday evening this next Wednesday evening uh, it is we have interviewed all nine of the living coaches uh, f- who have coached at the University of Montana men's basketball team as well as Robin Selvig we're going to release that podcast series along with a bunch of players there's actually an introductory podcast now you can hear about it a little bit more in depth uh, just search Grizz Greats okay just do that wherever you get your podcast search Grizz Greats it will come up for you uh, that way it is brought to us by our friends at Blackfoot Communications as well so we appreciate them for that and uh, we're excited about this uh, this new uh, enterprise Prize that we have gone on. It's going to be a lot of fun, so you can go listen to it now. We go now to the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in our good friend Mike Dugar from The Athletic. Cover this the Seahawks for The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter, at Mike Dugar. Also, the Seahawks Man-to-Man podcast. Go check that thing out. Mike, welcome back to the show. The Packers into the uh, the divisional round against the Seahawks, hosting the Seahawks off of a bye. The Seahawks off of a win in uh, Philadelphia. Just quickly, your thoughts on that win in the wild card weekend. Obviously, Carson Wentz goes down, and it seemed like the writing was on the wall from that point. But what did you? What was your impression of that game, and then the Seahawks thereafter and throughout this week coming out of it? Uh, well, they did that thing again where they play down to their competition, but they did that thing where they play down to the competition and win. And uh, that final part is what's most important this time of year. Uh, well, because uh, I also got to give credit. You know, they played down, but like the defense kind of did play up. You know, you don't allow any touchdowns. Uh, you know, you, I mean, do that on the road right there. You get seven sacks. I think one of those was on Carson. Yeah, I think the one that ends up knocking him out. I was like, they stepped up in, in that regard. The only deep passes they got were pass interferences on, 
uh, Trey Flowers. They got 60 yards uh, on two of those. Uh, so I, I, w- I will say they, they played really well on that end for the, for the most part. Uh, but we, it was one of those games where, like, cool, you won, you did your job, got it. Now you got to play way better uh, next Sunday if you want to have a chance. You mentioned the seven sacks, and we talked midseason when uh, Jadavion Clowney was added and Ziggy Ansah was, was kind of maybe prone to return, and he's been kind of in and out still. But at one point in the season, the narrative was the potential that that Seattle's pass rush could have and how important that could be. It seems, at least in, a, in the microscope of last week, it came together. How important has that pass rush emergence been, and are they where they could be? Have they reached their full potential rush in the passer yet? Uh, I don't think so, no. And to answer the uh, part about the potential, uh, but you see what pressure does. Because if some of those sacks were like Josh McCown like scrambling, uh, and then some guy like getting him down before he got back to the line of scrimmage is technically uh, a sack. But that's what pressure does. Like pressure forces you out of the pocket. And then once once guys are out of the pocket, then you you know it's all about your skill set. Like Josh McCown doesn't have one, um, but you know someone like Aaron Rodgers does, right? So pressure pressure will be good, but like this is one of those games where getting him down is like of the utmost importance. And then you have to you know couple that with the fact that this is probably the best pair of tackles you know in the league. Uh, I think Pittsburgh maybe has a good argument, but Green Bay definitely has the best pair in the NFC. So you got to deal with that. Uh, I think the main thing will be uh, how they get that pressure, like they did in Philly. If we notice in Philly, everyone was coming on like blitzes. You know, Cody Barton, uh, Brady Mc- Bradley McDougal had a sack. Uh, Shaquille Griffin blitzed. He didn't get home on his, but he, he was sent on one. Uh, Trey Flowers, another corner that got sent on a blitz. I don't think he got home either. Uh, but again, it's just like Ken Norton was like, "Look, I'm going to send the Wolves." And we're going to make this thing happen. And that's got to be what it is with Aaron Rodgers. Because they're not just going to get a bunch of pressure with four-man rushes against this unit. This is probably the best O-line left in the in the playoffs, maybe. You could argue not just the NFC. So it's going to have to take some more creativity. Uh, and without it, there's, there's no shot they win the game. Mike Dugar joining us. He covers the Seattle Seahawks for the Athletic. And Mike, always an interesting dynamic with a team coming off a bye where they have the advantage of being rested and healthy, and actually Green Bay is getting really healthy. Raven Green maybe even back off of the IR for this football game, so they're they're in really good shape. Seattle, not so much, and I do want you to go through some of the injuries, but before that, talk to me about the dynamic between being rested and feeling good, but also not having yet played in the playoffs compared to having played and won in the playoffs, and there's always every year that sort of like, Okay, here we go into the playoffs. You got to overcome maybe a little bit of nerves, all the excitement, some of the emotion of it with a new team each and every season, which Seattle has already done. So, how do those two worlds kind of come together in this divisional round? I think how your team prepares in the playoffs in general, whether you play in the wild card of the divisional round or whenever, uh, starts with your leadership. Whether that's you know someone on defense, whether that's your head coach, whether that's your quarterback, whoever uh, their their tone, your leader's tone will kind of trickle down. So with the Seahawks, you, know, you can tell that they, they look pretty much like equipped to battle. But regardless of the final score, they just look they look like uh, they're ready for the moment. You know, somewhere within that 60 minutes, whether it's beginning or the end, uh, they look ready. And I think a lot of that is a product of Pete Carroll treating every game like, hey, championship opportunity, week three is just as important as week 17. Uh, you know, and that trickling down to the leaders who have been here for a while, who then... Like, because they behave that way, everyone else behaves that way. You know, football is a copycat sport, not because coaches are all copying each other. It's because players emulate the people who are doing the right thing. 
Uh, so I think whether you have a buy or whether you're in the wild card round, that behavior of your leaders will have as uh, big an impact as anything. You know, if Aaron Rodgers is ready for the moment, he's poised, he's calm, he's doing all the right things throughout the week, he's taking care of his body even when they have an off week, then it'll have, you know, some impact if the Smith brothers or whoever their defensive captains are in Green Bay are doing that, uh, then it'll work that way. The same thing, you know, I would say in San Fran, you know, they're going to see how Richard takes care of himself, you know, and, and other veterans on that team. Like, all right, cool. This is how we need to handle having a bye and being prepared and ready to go uh, in the postseason. So because the Seahawks, oh, the, here's the other thing, though. Having a bye is still better. I know there's this thing about being rested, getting healthy. The thing is, you know, I just rewatched the um, 2014 NFC title game. I uh, watched like a condensed version of it. Every play, boom, boom, boom. Uh you just see that game was a perfect illustration of how just one play, one inch, one guy's foot is in or not, one guy gets his hand on second hand on the ball or not, whatever, right? Anything can just tilt your whole season one way. And so the fewer games you have to play to get to the Super Bowl, uh, the fewer times you have to necessarily hope for the ball to bounce your way, which is what this part of the season is all about. So, like, every team should want a bye, even if you're kind of banged up or, or not. Uh, so it's just how you perform in that game is all dependent on, you know, the leadership you have and the focus that those guys exhibit throughout the week. You know, you touched on this briefly, but I want you to flesh this out for us a little bit more because one thing in this game that I don't think is being talked about enough is Pete Carroll, a Super Bowl winning, two-time Super Bowl coaching, you know, oldest coach in the league in in the best sense, the most experienced and all that, against a rookie head coach in Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. How much of that do you think comes into play Sunday? I think it'll come into play in terms of the preparation more than anything. Uh, It won't, I don't think the X's and O's stuff matter. Like, guys don't, like, play calling doesn't magically, like, get better or worse in the the postseason. So the fact that Matt LaFleur hasn't been there, you know, it's not like guys morph into new dudes when the postseason comes. It's still football, right? They're still going to run their scheme. You're still going to run your scheme. You're still going to make tweaks like you would to adjust for the opponent, strengths and weaknesses, just like you would in week two or week seven or week ten. Like, that part, I don't think, will matter. Again, it's just in the preparation. Uh, you know, if, if Matt LaFleur has the right mindset uh, with his guys and he throws that in his leaders and they go about things the right way, um, you know, then it, it won't really seem like Matt LaFleur is, you know, outmatched. Also, he's got the benefit of playing at home. Uh, too, he's also got the better team. So even if he was, you know, completely just like lost out there, you know, his old line, if they execute and his, and his defense forces turnovers and, and sacks Russell Wilson, he'll be fine whether he, you know, goes out there and just has a cold the whole day and just goes silent. Uh, so I don't think it'll matter too much on the, you know, the X's and O's part of his scheming. You know, football is a game of chess no matter what week you play. And a better chess player, whether that's his first game or his 100th game of chess, is going to win on that given day, but, like, how each team comes out, how each team, like, looks, you know, mentally prepared, whether it's nobody having pre-snap penalties or any unsportsmanlike after-the-play stuff or, you know, doing too much early on, missing tackles, um, stuff like that. Whichever team comes out ready uh, in that regard, it'll probably be a reflection of how they prepared uh, during the week. This time of year, we know that... Pretty much everybody's going to sell out to stop the run. It's going to come down to how much pressure you put on the quarterback. It's going to come down to how well the quarterbacks play. Two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, squaring off, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. So how much of this is going to be a quarterback duel? Is that how you see this matchup ultimately? I mean, not necessarily. I wrote this week that Russell has to play a lot better than Aaron Rodgers um, for the Seahawks to win. But it, 
the inverse is not necessarily true. Like, Rodgers doesn't necessarily have to outplay Russell for his team to win. I mentioned that Green Bay has more talent, and they do. And part of it is not necessarily the skill position, guys, because you could go through, you know, Seahawks have the better linebackers. Uh, they, the DBs might be a wash. Shaq might be the, the best DB. I'm not sure. The, the other guys get their hands on the ball a lot more. Quandre might be the best safety. You know, you can just go through the through the list and see that, like, pound for pound is probably a wash at a lot of spots. However, again, the O-line, people ignore the O-line when they talk about more talent. That's five dudes. <laughs> that's right. what's on the field. If all those guys are better than all your guys, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think Dwayne is one of the best five offensive linemen in this game if he plays. To get my point, they have the better group up front with more, uh, play more snaps together. I think they've had the same O-line since week three. Uh, if Dwayne plays, that'll be great. But if not, they're looking at a bunch of backups uh, in Seattle. Their run game has has been really, really potent. You know, the Seahawks was good too without Chris Carson. Now they got their fourth string guy and then Marshawn Lynch. Uh, so, like the the talent gap, man. That's I think that's going to play so much of a so much of a role, uh, and really, it's going to require Russell like playing out of his mind in order to win. Where Roger could just have a regular day. He could just go for like 186, maybe a touchdown, doesn't turn it over, doesn't take any too costly stacks, uh, and his team will win. Russ does that, they'll lose. Russ needs to throw for like 300 plus, uh, maybe make a bunch of plays with his legs like he did against Philly. I'm thinking maybe over 45 rushing yards, maybe even over 50, uh, running for at least two or three first downs, you know, stuff like that because uh, his team is just like behind a little bit. Part of that's injuries and part of that's just Green Bay is really good, and that's why they won 13 games. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Mike Dugard joining us. He covers the Seattle Seahawks for the Athletic Seahawks. Uh, the uh, the nightcap on Sunday in Green Bay, that game kicking off at 4.40 Mountain Standard Time. We'll have it for you here on ESPN Radio, uh, pregame beginning at 2 o'clock. You just talked about Dwayne Brown, and you said the key word, if he plays. Uh, I know that Mikey Opati was also out. I don't know what his status is coming into Saturday, uh, to Sunday. And then Ziggy Yonsa and even Jadavion Clowney, not 100%. So that's those are big, big dudes. What is Who are the guys that we know are not going to play and the guys that we know are going to play? And give me some percentages on the question marks um so of the guys who missed the game last week i think the guys we can count on being back uh i don't know if they'll be active necessarily but we can count on them being like available uh our malik turner is a receiver missed the last I think, two weeks with a concussion and then um Jerron brown who missed the last two weeks i think with the knee injury 
Yes, it was a knee injury. So I think those two will be back. I'm pretty sure you can kind of pencil those guys in. I wouldn't expect Mike Ayupati and Ziggy to, to come back just because neck injuries. They both have stingers, and neck injuries are just so hit and miss. You know, uh, you, can, you can miss a week, you can miss two weeks, you can never play again like Cam Chancellor. You just we just They never give us enough information on the neck injury uh, to know. So it, it's really tough to tell. And obviously when those guys don't practice, that's a really bad sign. As well, Dwayne Brown is the biggest if of the of the week. I think he's the, one of the most, I would say, top four most important players for the Seahawks uh, on Sunday, at least in this game. Uh, I would say I would pencil him in uh, as well. I know this is the, the week he's been targeting, and I, I don't think it's necessarily that he's not really practicing. I think Dwayne is, what, 33, 34. He can get by without practicing and then still play. He's been kind of doing a version of that all year. And if his knee is good, uh, we'll hear from Pete Carroll uh, later. But if he's good, if his knee is good, then I would I would say he starts, he plays, plays well. But he's like, ah, he wanted a percentage on it. Let's go with about 65% in favor of Dwayne Plant. All right, Mike. So here we go. Feet, feet to the fire once again. The Seattle Seahawks were open as a four-point underdog. It's moved to five points, but they have lost, I think, their last eight straight in Lambeau, but won the last several games against the Packers because they've been in CenturyLink in some epic games. Like you mentioned, that 2014 NFC Championship game probably tops them all. What do you think happens, though, ultimately on Sunday evening? Uh, you know, I actually wrote about like Russ's struggles in Lambeau and the team's struggles in Lambeau but I, I do think Mike Pettin made a great point, uh, the defensive coordinator in Green Bay, about, um, you know, the past. It really doesn't matter. And he's right. It, it does not. Every game is its, its own, like, entity, is its own event. Um, and I do think someone else also made this point that how Russell has performed against Mike Pettin's defenses is perhaps more predictive than the, the, his record in the venue itself. And he's done really well. I, I think against, like, the, I want to say Jets, Browns twice, maybe. Uh, at least Browns one of those times that he's done uh, really well against his defenses. So uh, that said, I will still think I will roll with uh, the Packers in a close one, just because ultimately I think the more talented team playing at home should win, uh, regardless of anything else. Uh, so I'll take the Packers twenty-three to twenty. Yeah, I'll take the Seahawks to cover for all my gamblers out there, but uh, I think. It's going to take uh, damn near a miracle uh, to upset this team. I don't know if they have that in them. We'll get you out of here on this, Mike. Switching out of the NFL playoffs, got to ask you your thoughts. I know you're a Wazoo alum. Mike Leach leaves Washington State. There's a lot of camps about Mike Leach. I know a lot of people in the media, especially the uh, people that have TV cameras, like Mike Leach a lot. Me, myself, personally, I'm not into the style. I don't like the scheme, and I think that it's all smoke and mirrors from the press conference all the way through the end of the game. As a Wazoo alum, though, he led you guys to great heights, great success, some of the best success Wazoo's had this century and, and ever, quite frankly. Your thoughts on Mike Leach leaving the Palouse? Uh, you can't have a discussion about Mike Leach's tenure in in uh, Washington State or at Washington State without you know a bit of context and some nuance. Right, because it's not just as simple as he was a good coach, bad coach. Um, he was a actually, well, I guess on the field it kind of is. He was a really, really good coach. I, you could argue one the best that Wazoo has had. 
Mike Price is the stronger argument, which, you know, I think it's one, two. I really don't think anyone else is in this guy. That includes Dennis Harrison. I think it's just those two. You know, it's frustrating that he would, you know, every once in a while lay a stinker. You know, couldn't win the Apple Cup, didn't win any bowl games of any significance. Uh, you know, we lost, I think, twice to FCS teams at home. Uh, that was obviously a, a problem. But, you know, for the most part, with Mike Leach in charge, after he got all these guys in there, got the system in and, and was rolling, you could you could count on anywhere from six to ten wins in any given season. And that, you know, at Washington State, which I would argue is either the 11th or 12th best job in the Pac-12, right? So you're at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, for him to do that is incredible. You know, I think he had us in the top ten at one point. We had a guy finish like fifth in the Heisman. I think Gardner Minshew did. Got game day. Like, it's it's very hard to do better than what Mike Leach did unless you were competing for the Rose Bowl. That said, Mike Leach was also, I would say, just not a good dude. And a lot of, uh, I tweeted that as well, and a lot of people thought I was just talking about, like, his political preference, which is not entirely it. If you look at Mike Leach, you look at how he treated people who weren't as powerful as him, whether that was a player, whether that was a member of the media. You know, it just, look how he talked to them. You know, look how he addressed them. Uh, you know, look how he deflected blame in, in all situations, you know, to, uh, to avoid from holding himself accountable. That is what makes you not a good dude. Like, it doesn't even matter whether you, you know, Republican, Democrat, whoever, who cares. But, like, even even when it was something political, like uh, him tweeting out the video, uh, the doctored video of Obama to try to make a political point, and then people telling him, oh, wait, hey, man, this, this, is, this is actually not real. This is spliced together. And you have this wrong. He's like, oh, well, I just wanted to have a conversation about it. Well, it's like Mike can have a conversation about a fake video. That's you're having a stupid conversation. About it. <laughs> and he didn't want to listen, and then deflected all the all the blame, and then was like, didn't want to hear anything anyone had to say. You know, like you can. I also don't think Mike was very smart, but uh, and he was also stubborn as a coach, uh, even if he was a good coach. So, like, that's what I mean by like some nuance. There, there were personality traits that he had that were just. Clearly not. Look how he responded in the last Apple Cup. Called John Blanchett of the Spokesman Review, the you know, sanctimonious troll, because he asked a valid question about why he gets his butt kicked by Washington and blames recruiting. Yet he had a four-game win streak against Oregon and like a three-game win streak against Stanford and beat USC and UCLA uh, uh, in that in his uh, career. So I'm not excited to see him go because I know it'll be very tough to replace Mike Leach. Uh, I think, it, however, it is easier to find a coach to just not mess things up as opposed to rebuild. Uh, so I do thank Mike for leaving the program in a better place than he found it. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, man, he, he can go. It was time. He was also trying to get out, like three off-seasons in a row. Like, if you don't want to be here, you know, then uh, then just go. He's Mississippi State's problem now. Hopefully we find a guy who can keep the train rolling uh, here in the next couple of days. Well, we will see. Uh, Mike Leach versus Lane Kiffin in the Egg Bowl will be an interesting one. It will also be a great game up in Lambeau Field. I can't wait for the uh, Green Bay Packers and Seattle Seahawks on Sunday evening. Mike, as always, we appreciate you being here, been here all season. We appreciate that very much, and we'll catch you next week, all right? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully. I hope the Seahawks win because I want to go to Miami for the Super Bowl. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully we, we do this again previewing in the uh, – Seahawks-Vikings in the NFC title game up here in Seattle. Oh, look at this. Look at this. Get the 5-6 for a home game. Okay, I see where we're going with this. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a lot of fun no matter what. Mike, always appreciate it. All right, thanks, man. You bet. Mike Dugar covers the Seahawks for the Athletic. At Mike Dugar on Twitter. 
You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. But with the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home even when you're not. We go now to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in our good friend from Hero Sports, covers the FCS nationally. He is in Frisco for the national championship tomorrow between James Madison and North Dakota State. Sam Herder joining us. Sam, you're in Frisco once again. It's North Dakota State once again. And uh, it's also James Madison, who I know that early on in this season, you were very, very high on. I'm sure still very high on. But I'll tell you what, after watching what NDSU did to Montana State in uh, the semifinal. All of a sudden, I'm sitting here going, well, 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 not so fast with the Dukes. Where are you at here on the eve of the national championship game? Yeah, you know, I, I have flip-flopped uh, a few times this season, but my official prediction, uh, I do have NDSU winning 21-20. to 20. Uh, You know, that's kind of what my head is telling me, that it, it's hard to pick against NDSU, uh, especially after, you know, the, the Bison uh, did play their best against Nichols, uh, certainly had their struggles in the quarterfinals against Illinois State, but like you said, uh, that Montana State game kind of reminded us of just what kind of monster this program still is, and that ultimately that ultimately made me decide to, to go with the Bison. Even though my gut still is kind of telling me that the Dukes have a, have, if anyone's going to knock off NDSU anytime soon, it's going to be this year with this James Madison team. But I, I still just have a hard time picking against NDSU down here. Before we started this interview, we were talking off air just about the fact that you've been now to Frisco, Texas to cover this game seven times. NDSU has been there eight of the last nine years. It's a completely unique situation because the FCS has had a, a neutral site national championship game, but the same team going to the same stadium, going to the same site, playing in the same arena every year to end their year for a decade. That's amazing. It's never happened any level of football so, two-part question. First of all, start with how much does the familiarity of just the experience do you think helps North Dakota State? I, I think it, it helps a lot. Um, I, you know, the same thing can probably be said with, with James Madison, just because they've been here throughout the last four years. But just, especially with NDSU, you know, they know the routine, and you know, it, it's it's you know, by the time game day hits, you know, some of these players are are, are pretty tired just because they have media interviews and community events and you know they i think last night they went to top golf and you know they went somewhere else and went bowling and they do you know some community events as well so it's, it's a pretty full slate uh down here in texas for down here in frisco for, for both teams uh so i do think that familiarity is important and you know it, it is a neutral site game but i mean there's thousands of bison fans on their way here there's already thousands of bison fans here already you know i, I went down for breakfast this morning and I saw a group of about ten NDSU fans checking into the hotel right by the stadium, and the and the, and the front desk clerk goes, "Oh, great to see you guys again," <laughs> because they had their they had their, their rooms booked uh, for the last year already. So it's just it's just kind of 
become routine uh, for this program and for this fan base. And that leads me into the second part of this question then, because when I went down there last year to watch North Dakota State against Eastern Washington, when we were checking out of our hotel, there was a group of NDSU people saying, hey, just book me the same room, same time next year. <laughs> we know we're going to be back. But just from a personal perspective, it's got to be kind of fun for you because I thought like Frisco, I mean, Frisco doesn't really get much shine in terms of like a tourist destination or whatever, but when you drive around, there's some fun stuff to do. It's not a bad place. It's, it, I thought it was a great little place. So uh, from a personal perspective, just navigating the same place <laughs> for you, it must be pretty fun. It is nice. I mean, yeah, we know uh, kind of the roads and where to go and how to get to the stadium and the best routes to get to the stadium and kind of the best places to eat and maybe grab some drinks here or there. Um, but the cool thing about Frisco, too, is it's such a, a fast-growing town where there's new restaurants popping up everywhere. So um, we kind of have our routines on places to eat. There's a great barbecue place right by the stadium. Uh, and it's kind of our uh, tradition to go there after the game and after everything is wrapped up. But there still is a bunch of stuff. Uh, popping up everywhere where, uh, you know, every year I, I get here and I go, oh, you know, this wasn't here, uh, you know, last year at this time. And I'm looking out my hotel window right now and there's a big crane, you know, uh, across the highway putting up some kind of big building. So there's always something popping up down here. It's a great town. Sam Herder joining us at Sam Herder FCS on Twitter, covers the FCS nationally for Hero Sports, does a great job of it. And uh, Sam, I mean, well, I mean, if we're going to talk food, I mean, for gosh sakes, what else are we going to do around here? <laughs> What's the spread like in the press box for the national championship? Is it filet mignon and roast duck? What do they have here for us? Yeah, it, you know, I, from what I remember, uh, you know, it, it's a breakfast spread, Um up in the press box, uh, it's kind of just your typical breakfast spread. Uh, you know, kind of got the the potatoes and the and the eggs and the bacon uh, and stuff like that, some muffins and stuff like that. It's not a, an extravagant food spread for the media, um, but you know, it's no complaints for me. It, it, it'll do. But uh, yeah, from what I remember, it's always been a breakfast spread uh, for the media. Okay, now that that actually is kind of what I wanted to get at, though. Oddly enough. Is it weird? I realize they do this because they get, you know, ESPN television and it's national. I think it's even on ABC this year, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'll have to yep. check that. But, they, you know, it's an early game. And for a national championship, the game of the year, to be played in a, in a pretty odd time slot, frankly, for the sake of television... Is that I realize it's it's the norm at this point. I realize the teams are you know quote unquote used to it since they've done this before. But isn't that still kind of odd? I mean, could what what would a Friday night thing be like? Do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, you know it it has been eleven a.m. on Saturday for a few years now. I know at one point it was like a two thirty kickoff or some two three somewhere around there. Uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, I, I just think, you know, the players and coaches probably don't care about the time slot, but just, I mean, with the fan base, it's hard to, I mean, if you want, if you want a, a really good environment, you, you have to get the fans, you know, liquored up a little bit. And, you know, obviously they do that, but getting the tailgating lots for fans at 6 a.m. after going to bed at 2 a.m. the night before, right. uh, you know, sometimes that might take away a little bit from the energy of the tailgating lots in the game. I do think a Friday night game would be fantastic, but the the, the TV guys and you know ESPN plays a big part in that. Uh, and I did hear uh, an interview last week with the Southland commissioner. The, the Southland conference kind of uh, runs things uh, from a logistical standard or logistical part uh, down here. And he was asked if a Friday night game was ever possible, and he said they did think about that. 
Uh, the problem is uh, sometimes the traffic down here at the five o'clock hour is tough uh, for everyone to, to get to the game if it was be, if, if it were to be a Friday night game. So I think they've talked about it, uh, and right now they're just settling with that 11 a.m. Saturday time slot, uh, just with the TV stuff and, and all that. Okay, two words there: cop out. Cop out. Don't talk to me about the traffic. You're going to be there at noon for crying out loud. Go to the Okay, I'm over it. Go ahead. <laughs> Sam, I know you've done so many interviews already leading up to this game. So I want to leave it. I want to just leave it open to you. What have you not said yet on a radio interview? Or maybe what's a point you haven't made yet that has maybe dawned upon you or that you just haven't gotten in or that has eaten at you or that maybe is just a, a new revelation as you think about this game, this matchup, and this this afternoon? Yeah, you know, it's that's a great question because I think uh, I'm going on with Knock uh, later today uh, out in Montana as well, and that will be my seventh kind of radio, you know, hit. And, you know, I, I try not to repeat myself a whole lot and try to come up with some unique things. But, you know, one thing that I haven't said yet and – you know, this will probably irritate NDSU fans, but I think for the FCS as a whole, I, I think the FCS needs a James Madison win here. I, I really Definitely. do, because I think, I, I think NDSU, no doubt in my mind, is going to win it all next year. The year after that, the right. Madison are going to have a great shot. The year after that, Trey Lance will be a senior. You know, they're going to have a great shot then. And like I said earlier on the show, if, if, if there's going to be a blip on NDSU's radar, it's going to be this year, not only because of NDSU is a little younger, uh, but also this James Madison team might be their best team uh, that they've had, you know, in the 2010s and maybe ever. So if this JMU team can't beat this NDSU team, you know, when is it going to end? And at one point, does NDSU's dynasty go from, you know, good to great to a dynasty to amazing to, okay, this is getting a little ridiculous here. You know, the Bison are winning six titles, seven titles in a row now. You know, at what point is something going to happen here? Um, and, you know, NDSU to the FBS is a whole different segment, and, and I, I don't think that's going to happen every time, anytime soon just for a, a wide number of reasons. I don't think the Bison are going anywhere um, anytime soon, but I just think, you know, from the, from the FCS as a whole, uh, I think a James Madison win, you know, no one's cheering, you know, no one from a neutral perspective is cheering for JMU. You know, don't get me wrong there, but I think just for the FCS as a whole, uh, the subdivision could use uh, Duke's win here uh, just for the health of the subdivision. Sam, talk about the game in terms of, of uh, a specific matchup or two that you think are going to be key to the way this thing goes. I mean, we always know about turnovers and all that kind of thing, but when you look at personnel, players on the field, styles of play, what these teams like to do, what are the what are the things you're keying in on to look for tomorrow? Yeah, you know, the, the, the easy answer for that would be NDSU's offensive line versus JMU's defensive line. Um, but I think that's going to be, for the most part, a stalemate. I think NUSU will get theirs. I think JMU will get theirs, you know, get some sacks here or there and stuff like that. The one thing I'm curious about is how NUSU decides to, to guard Brandon Polk uh, in the slot. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy that, you know, five foot nine, blazing, split, uh, blazing speed. Uh, you can't guard him in the slot with a safety or an outside linebacker. So it'll be interesting to see which cornerback they slide in to, grab, uh, to guard Brandon Polk. And on the flip side, you know, Rashad Robinson is an outstanding cornerback for James Madison, but I don't know if he can match up one-on-one with Christian Watson uh, all game long. And we saw what Watson did against Montana State, basically two plays in a row, 70-yard touchdown catch, 75-yard touchdown run. And, I mean, Christian Watson, excuse me, the Fargo Forum had a story come out, uh, and NDSU has these kind of these GPS tracking things on some of their players for injury purposes. 
And the fastest Christian Watson has run this year on a football field is 23 miles an hour. Wow. 23 miles an hour. Christian Watson, six foot three wide receiver, has topped out in shoulder pads and helmets, 23 miles an hour. So he's a matchup nightmare. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see exactly how, uh, how James Madison decides to defend a dude like Christian Watson. Well, Sam, we certainly appreciate it, not just now, but all season long. It's been fun to, to be with you and do another year here. Sam Herter from Hero Sports joining us. Go follow him at Sam Herter FCS on Twitter. Where else can people read your stuff? Obviously at Herosports.com. Yep, uh, Herosports.com, uh, Sam, at Sam Herter FCS. Uh, our main account is at Herosports FCS. And also our, our Facebook page, if you just you know type in Hero Sports. Our Facebook page will will pop up for you, and you can give us a like, and all of our articles will be on there as well. Do a great job uh, covering this thing. Enjoy the game tomorrow again, 10 a.m., ABC Television Nationally, 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time uh, for kickoff of this one. Sam, we certainly appreciate it. Have a good one, and hopefully it's going to be a great game tomorrow. Looks like it could be. Uh, I think it will be. All right, thanks, guys. You bet. Thank you, Sam. Sam Herter. Uh, at Sam Herter FCS, writes for Hero Sports, does a great job. Coulter, just briefly before we get out, I want to talk about this game with you because you and I were, were talking in the break about this a little bit, and I have sort of had kind of a comeback on NDSU a little bit. They were so impressive about uh, when they played Montana State each of the last two seasons, and it, it's easy to compare those two games and go, well, Montana State really didn't, quote, close the gap. But also, it's just about the game that you play. Look, nobody's lying to themselves about North Dakota State and James Madison being out in front of everybody else, but that gap varies week to week, and especially in the tournament setting. I mean, they won 9-6 to six against Illinois State a week prior. They didn't play their best, or 9-3, to three, excuse me, you're right, uh, David. 9-3, to three, the loss, won by six points. Uh, didn't score a touchdown, and didn't play their best game. And I guess that's the thing is, like, they have the best offensive line in the country. I get that. They are the best team in the country. I get that. But also, the on in any given week, if they don't play their best, and they have had moments where they haven't played their best, they are susceptible. And then when they don't play their best, they come back and they slam the door shut, which is what Montana State got in the semifinal. But I I contend that if Montana State plays them a week earlier and they play the game that they played against Illinois State in the quarterfinal, Montana State has a very real shot at winning that football game. And so it's all about kind of how you catch them. And even though the ball is in their court because it's up to them and how they play, I don't know. I think I think I'm not saying there isn't a gap and that it isn't significant, but I also am saying it's not absolute. It's not totally overcomable. And James Madison tomorrow, I think, has a very real look, like Sam said, in that spot. I think that Sam's notion that it is necessary for the FCS for this team, for James Madison to win, for it it, it, it would be better for the, the state of the FCS as a whole if James Madison won. Mm-hmm. Sam said, though, you guys both said you think it's going to be a great game. I don't. I think North Dakota State's going to roll. And I, th- I think it's just because of the familiarity of it. I think it's just because it's it's just predestined. And I just think that when it comes down to it, North Dakota State, they're just going to figure out a way to win by two scores. They're just going to knock you off the ball over and over again. Only you would invoke predestination as it comes to a national championship football game, Coulter. How in the world could you do something like that? That was your Burn Street Bistro Burn of the Week. Just fate. Don't even try. It's going to happen. You know what's going to happen? Brunch at the Burn Street Bistro. That's what I love. Mm. We'll see about it. I said, by the way, I want to correct myself. Officially, North Dakota State is back as a favorite, one-point favorite. 
Quick break, come back. Hey, how about a two-minute mashup? We love finishing the week with these things, and David is pumped up about this one. We'll listen to it with all of you right after this. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. We love to have a little fun at the end of the week. It's a two-minute mashup. What happened this week? You're going to find out in the next two minutes right now. What are we doing? Oh, radio. Hello, Montana. Until this latest football breakthrough, the best team in the state of Montana, collegiately, was the University of Montana men's basketball team, and there's no question. And they still remain atop that post. Is there one more FBS bowl game? Really, really impressive run. We are going to release the first of a 10-part podcast series called Grizz Greats the Coaching Tree. Side Pridgen is a first team all league talent. He's an amazing player. He's a great scorer. He's one cool customer but he's not like a verbal guy. It has been Jared Samuelson coming through here early. I knew that there was going to be a work in progress before they learned how to play with each other. Trey Flowers joining us. Cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks. The mindset changed last week coming into it. Coming into the playoffs it was a new season. Everything before didn't matter. What's going well for Seattle when Seattle's playing good defense? It's just everybody flying to the ball. Everybody doing their job and knowing what we can do. Me personally, I got to clean up some penalties, and I think it would have been a perfect game by, by the defense as a whole. The Legion of Boom changed the NFL forever, and they definitely changed the Seahawks. So we have an image, and we have a standard to uphold. How much confidence do you take into this game, knowing that, hey, you guys have gotten it done away from Century League all season? Yeah, I'm, that's the thing. That's our motto. We've done it before, and why not do it again? Why not keep going and, and then take us to the Super Bowl? The league remains a mystery. Who's going to rise up? No kid wants to be my pen pal. It's beautiful. There's so many things to look at. I had to get up to go to the bathroom, and I was upset. It's always a slippery slope. you got to maintain it. We are hot and heavy. Who is going to take control of this team? Tomorrow on the show, very excited, Greg Bell uh, covers the Seattle Seahawks for the Tacoma News Tribune. Nobody better. I got no feeling in the press box that the Eagles are going to win the game, even when Wentz was in the game. You know, I love the geography side of this. place they haven't won since 1999, so I can't say it's a good place. This right here is the best football weekend of the year. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Matt Hasselbeck, Brett Favre will give you a great game. But he only rushed for about a thousand yards and 14 touchdowns in his career. Do I have that right? Whose fault is that? I want a little picture of your world, okay? You're a very private person. Or you could just type out every word, punctuate correctly, not abbreviate anything, and look like the smartest person that you know. It's very hard. Back in the good old days. Okay. I wish I was this age in Missoula, Montana in like 1979. This is very interesting. You will certainly perish. When's it too late to stop saying happy 2020? Excellent. Work, as always, by David Graff on the two-minute mashup. How about that? That was pretty good. 
So first time in the history, that first of all, that was very good. Very good, very good work, David. First time in the history of the show I've ever felt like I got gypped on a topic. We are going to talk about Mike Leach to Mississippi State more next week. Okay. I got to reemphasize. <laughs> everybody loves this guy. And I just, I, man, just don't let, Don't be blind. Don't end salty. Don't end salty. Great Have week. a great weekend, man. It's going to be a blast. We'll see you on Monday. Let's rehash all that happened. Get ready for the FBS Natty later. Now. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.